streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Good morning. It's Wednesday, March 16th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Chris Hummer, and today, just one day ahead of the start of the NCAA tournament, we're talking about Cinderella. Before I go any further, let's welcome our guest for the day, who will be rather familiar to everyone, former host of this podcast, Trey Scott. Trey, what's up, man? Yeah. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. I threw my mic away when I was done with this podcast, so here I am on my AirPods, sitting in my closet, trying to prevent the echo, and uh, I'm excited to do this. I just want to mention that the play-in tournaments happened Tuesday night. I didn't watch. Um, I can go ahead and tell you this now as we record on Tuesday <laughs> before Wednesday. It's too late for me. Um, but yeah, really excited to do this. And I love a little college football, college basketball crossover topics. Yeah, the play-in tournament just kind of gets in the way of me filling out my bracket. I'm going to be honest. I will probably not watch as well. But Trey, before we get started, who's your national championship pick? I'm going Gonzaga. Third year in a row, I picked them to win it all. So let's just see. You know, I, I don't love it. I don't love it. Um, but they got the size feels like it's it's their time they're like the georgia it's where it's like oh idiot you pick georgia that's not gonna happen they're not gonna beat alabama and they're not gonna they're not gonna make that run but everything finally clicks into place maybe they were a five-star away a la chet holmgren away a coach who's been close before in a national championship situation finally breaks through so i'll go gonzaga i just talked myself into it a little bit more uh with the georgia parallel yeah, and I also went Gonzaga, and I think what's interesting about Gonzaga is maybe 20 years ago, Gonzaga, we would have considered a Cinderella. And now they're, they are, they're that Georgia, that team with so much talent that hasn't won at all. But today, I think we're going to turn this to college football, and we're going to look at teams in 2022 that we think could be Cinderella's which is quite different in college football than it is in college basketball. Obviously, the two sports are very different with how they crown a national championship. And college football is much tougher to establish a Cinderella due to roster sizes and talent disparities. So you're not going to see a 13 seed upset a two seed in college football, essentially. It's a lot different. But I wanted to define Cinderella's as a couple things. Maybe it's breaking through in a playoff. Maybe it's winning a conference title for the first time in a long time. Maybe it's getting to the bowl game. Maybe it's getting to a bowl game for the first time in a decade. Trey, how are you looking at Cinderella? When I think about a March Madness Cinderella, and I'll, this will make sense here in a second, I think I think we all sort of know that it's the it's that first weekend. Maybe, but Chris, maybe it's just that first game where we're all rooting for the 14 seed. Okay, and then once it gets to the round of 32, then it, it has the potential to get really special. There's maybe a memorable player, a memorable shot that gets you to that second weekend. What's interesting, though, and this this is a little bit like college football, there's a faction of people, and I actually would put myself in this bucket, hate to say it, that enjoys the Cinderella for round one. And then in round two, I'm kind of rooting for the big team, the big dog, to beat, to, to knock off Cinderella, Right. Because I want to watch the best players, the teams I know, yada, 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 in the Sweet 16 and beyond. And I was thinking this morning, is there, a, is there a comparable in football? And I think the obvious answer is Cincinnati, Chris, where, where to be honest, like I was rooting for Cincinnati to get in to the playoff, just like you would be rooting for that Cinderella team to win round one. But when I started watching the, the, the game between Alabama as a football fan, I was like, look, I'm rooting for a good game. And it, the, the result, the, the, it was obvious very, very early on, and maybe even during the coin toss for me, that Alabama was going was gonna to win easily. But I was like, look, Cinderella, 
Cincinnati, great story. I'm going to root for Alabama now because I want to watch another game of Bryce Young. I want to watch another game of Will Anderson, uh, Evan Neal, et cetera, et cetera. So Cinderella for me um, in college football is, I think, maybe rooting to crack something to, to, to get to the New Year's Six to finally win that conference title. But then I'm, hate to admit it again, then I'm sort of rooting for the brands I know, the players I know, the players I will be watching on Sundays or in the college basketball case in the NBA. Then I'm rooting for those guys to eventually win out. I, I think that's a really good way of thinking about it. And I, I don't think either one of us thinks Cinderella is going to upset Ohio State or Alabama this year. Two teams, I think, even in March are destined to meet in the national championship game in 2022. I think those rosters are that loaded. But I think what you kind of hit on was we expect these teams to potentially have a special season, a season their fans remember, even if it doesn't result in a national championship or a conference championship, because that's what Cinderella is in college football. I think to me, at least it's that season that as a fan, you will remember forever because you were in the stands when you upset your rival or when you won 10 games for the first time in a decade. And that's kind of the feeling I'm trying to capture with some of the teams I'll bring up. What we're going to do, we're going to go Power 5 Conference by Power 5 Conference and look at teams I think could be potential Cinderella's this year. So I wanted to start in the ACC with NC State. NC State hasn't won a conference championship since 1979. And I think even though I would probably pick Clemson off the top heading into this year to win the ACC, NC State does have a chance to beat Clemson in the Atlantic and ultimately win the conference. They bring back more production than any preseason top 15 team. Devin Leary is back at quarterback along with 17 other starters. They lost some pretty significant skill pieces Mm -hmm. and a first round left tackle. So that's negatives against them. But the schedule is pretty reasonable outside of a trip to Clemson. And I really think the continuity of NC State will help carry them through the ACC schedule this year. Trey, what are your kind of thoughts on the Wolfpack? Yeah, so they avoid Miami. They avoid Pittsburgh. I think Devil's Advocate would wonder if 2021 was already the Cinderella season. Because imagine telling a Wolfpack fan in August that you're going to beat Clemson and you're going to beat North Carolina, but you're not even going to make the conference championship, right? Uh, I could see it, though. I I can absolutely see it. I I feel like they came in at 17 or in the low 20s and are way too early, top 25, 24-7 sports. That's probably low. ESPN has them at six, I think, in their preseason top 25. The defense returns about everybody, and they were uh, 16th last year in yards for play and, and number seven in passing defense. I, I want to see, can the offense keep pace? Blake Brockermeyer did a little thing on them a few weeks ago and, and was bemused at how poorly they ran the football despite two two sort of, not household names, but maybe ACC household magazine names at running back. And then, of course, uh, A.K. Ekwanuu. So can they do that? I don't I don't really know much about their outside perimeter. Uh, I think Devin Leary is obviously a, a tough son of a gun. So I, I buy NC State as a Cinderella. I don't really have a better one for you unless you want to go down some sort of Louisville deep dive with Malik Cunningham in what feels like his ninth season and, and Tyon Evans, a Tennessee transfer running back and, and Scott Satterfield getting off the mat and winning big because they were really close last year. But I, I, I agree with you that NC State is a Cinderella here that can make the playoff. Yeah, and I would, if we're looking for another Cinderella from the ACC, I'd point out that NC State has the second most wins in the ACC since the start of the playoff era with 62, and they are tied with Miami at 62. And if I was looking for a Cinderella in the ACC outside of NC State, I would, I'd take a long gander at a Miami <laughs> or Mario Cristobal <laughs> in year one. Sorry, Oregon fans. Um, I yeah, think Miami with funny. Tyler Van Dyke could be quite good this year. Let's go to the Big 12. With a a bit of a surprise team, I think, for most people. I want to talk about Kansas, because I think Kansas, the worst Power 5 football team, 
the last decade at least in college football. I think this program is positioned to challenge for a bowl game this year. Trey, mm-hmm. I know you got to see Kansas up close and personal last year when they beat Texas. We were both pretty invested in that football game. And I think the key for Kansas was the quarterback in that game, a little-known freshman named Jalen Daniels, who down the stretch was quietly excellent. He threw for 860 yards and three starts, seven touchdowns, mm-hmm. completed almost 70% of his passes. They have a young running back, Devin Neal, who was excellent as a true freshman mm-hmm. last year. They brought in two former four-star running backs via the transfer portal. That running back room is going to be deep. And that offensive line, that wide zone scheme, that Lance Leopold runs got quietly better as the season went along last year. Kansas is going to have its first spring under Lance Leopold this spring. Mm-hmm. They're going to have some continuity for the first time in a long time. And I think Kansas has an outside chance of pushing for a bowl game. Trey, what do you think of the Jayhawks? This is my favorite Cinderella of all the teams. You, you mentioned out the top, like defining the Cinderella as one that if you're a fan of the program, like they're going to have a season you'll remember forever. And I think what Kansas has the potential to do as such a lowly college football program when it's when it's breaking through, like you say, Kansas football, I think 07, right? So like they, they can do something that if they can ever break through, it's not just the fans of the school who remember it. It's it's everyone who remembers Todd Reesing and Mark Mangino and those guys doing their thing. I like this. I, I will be hoping to see them make a bowl. Obviously, they beat Texas last year. Let's not forget, Chris, that they almost beat Oklahoma before Caleb Williams put his cape on. They're number eight in returning production. For once, the non-conference isn't too brutal. I see them going two and one there. And I think we'll know, right? Like the, the slate from, from early to mid-September to early October is at West Virginia, home versus Duke, home versus Iowa State, which has to reload a little bit, and home versus TCU, which I, I don't know what they'll look like. So we'll know early. Big fan of Leipold, Leipold even though someone needs to probably tell me how to pronounce his name, because Chris, the adversity they had last year, obviously he's coming in during some COVID situations. The less miles, obviously he, he got started really late too. And they did a, they did a recruiting camp. And I remember Kevin Flaherty went and covered it. And like the, the attendance wasn't very good. And they had to kind of spin that. And then because of inclement weather, they couldn't fly to Big 12 media days. So they did that on Zoom which was just so Kansas. And for them to have the 2021 season they had, super happy for those fans. Um, they, th- those fans have a ton to cheer for from November through March, and maybe they'll have something now to cheer for September through December. And I, I think if you want to take anything away from this, like two minutes on Kansas, it's that we both believe Kansas football <laughs> is headed in the right direction. Like, we have not been able to say that about Kansas for a long time. And I think if a bowl doesn't happen this year, it's going to happen in the near future. I think Kansas is in good shape right now. We'll be right back with the College Football Daily after a short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Let's move on to the Big Ten. 
I want to talk about Minnesota. I think Cinderella in the Big Ten is really difficult. I think Ohio State's going to be a juggernaut this year. So when I think of a Cinderella, I think of somebody being capable of winning the Big Ten West, um, maybe Mm. unexpected over Iowa or Wisconsin. And if that's the case, I want to point to Minnesota. Um, Obviously, they tied for the division championship in 2019 with that team that had Rashad Bateman, Tyler Johnson. But they didn't go to the Big Ten championship game. They lost a tiebreaker to Wisconsin. And I think this is a year, if things break right, that Minnesota is capable of reaching the Big Ten championship game. Trey, I don't, I don't know how you're feeling about Tanner Morgan, like year 18 into his career. But I, I really do think Minnesota's position to have a really nice run this year. They do have to replace some stuff up front on the offensive line, but it's still going to be a really experienced room. I think everybody in that room is going to be a fourth year junior and above. And I, I really think Minnesota's positioned nicely to win the Big Ten last. I won't spend too much time on Minnesota. I just do, I, I do want to know as Tanner Morgan comes back for yet another year, I even personally want to, like, there are issues offensively since 2019. I've blamed the OC, Mike Sanford Jr., a lot for that. He's gone. But when you look at the stats, Minnesota was top 10 in passing offense in 2019 because maybe they had two NFL receivers. Um, Tanner Morgan has been pretty horrible since those guys left. So, you know, is it all Mike Sanford Jr.? Maybe. But, you know, is the OC the one who's making you complete less than 60% of your passes and throw nine interceptions to 10 touchdowns? I just, I I don't know. I want to see Tanner Morgan prove it. You got to prove it to me. I'll give you one more Cinderella. This is a Cinderella to save your job. This is obviously everyone's thinking this at home. Scott Frost in Nebraska. Were they the best three and nine team ever in 2021? Sure. Who cares? Why not? Uh, Every single loss they had was by eight points or less. We remember them almost beating Oklahoma. They played Ohio State super close. They bring in a guy I love, Casey Thompson. We don't need to go down a Casey Thompson rabbit hole here. I'm just going to stay, say, look at his stats for 2021. You will be impressed. And then consider the fact that he played mostly from October through November with a broken thumb. Tough kid in a similar adverse situation to Scott Frost. Uh, he's in a contract year to try to make an NFL roster next year. Scott Frost is in a contract year to try, try to save his job. I think Nebraska is going to have a fun season. Yeah, I like the Nebraska pick. Obviously, they were injured a lot. That whole roster was pretty injured last year. They're also significantly fortified by transfers. I think there's a, a chance Nebraska makes some noise. Um, let's quickly move along to the Pac-12. Defining a Cinderella here was a little difficult for me. I ultimately went with Utah, which I know sounds ridiculous given they were essentially a play away from winning the Rose Bowl last year. But if you're looking for a team among the teams we're having conversations about that can break into the college football playoff, I think it's Utah. We're going to get a lot of hype about USC and Oregon this offseason with new coaches in both places. I think both of those programs are going to be good next year, but I still think the Pac-12 is wide open for taking. And Utah, which returns the majority of its offense and most of the key pieces on defense outside of its two excellent linebackers, Devin Lloyd and Nephi Sewell, I think Utah is positioned, given the way it's recruiting, given Cameron Rising's back at quarterback, he was excellent late last season, to again win the Pac-12. And if you can manage to go 11-1 and 12-1 and with the Pac-12 championship, Utah can make the playoff. And that's, that's why I view them as a potential Cinderella this year. There was a lot of noise that Kyle Whittingham would retire. He didn't. I, I think Utah is the Butler-type Cinderella where they break through and you're like, oh, they're serious. Like, okay. Like when Butler almost beat Duke in the national title in 2010, sort of similar to, to Utah almost beating Ohio State. Like maybe a few days before the game, you're like, ah, do, do I want to watch Butler in the national title game? And and maybe I was like, oh, do I want to watch Utah in the Rose Bowl instead of Oregon? Uh, and absolutely. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So, uh, well, let me throw Stanford at you, Chris. 
uh, I was Google, Googling Stanford 2022 schedule and it gave me the academic calendar instead of the football schedule. That's <laughs> the only school that does that. I haven't been to a bowl since 2018. If they're going to do that, that's that's this year. They were three and nine last year. Not the best three and nine team of all time, although they did beat Oregon. I think Tanner McKee takes a jump. They lost their top two running backs with EJ Smith, the son of Emmett. Average five a pop. He'll be the guy. Brutal non-conference schedule. You get Colgate, but also get Notre Dame and BYU. They're going to have to survive the USC at Washington at Oregon trips. Um, USC is at home, but it, it goes those those three games in order in September. Uh, I, they recruited well, so I, I know that usually doesn't that that doesn't usually play out in year one for Stanford kids, but maybe that's a sign of some positive momentum around the program. So I'll just throw them out for you. And, and what like number three in returning production too, according to Bill Connolly. Yeah, I, I think Stanford could make a run. I think that defense has to get better. That's the thing we don't talk about at Stamp Out Stanford. They've been abhorrent defensively the last three or four years. They've totally lost their identity. They're switching to a 4-3 scheme, trying to simplify things this offseason. We'll see if that makes a difference, but Stanford is certainly an interesting team to watch. Um, before we end this, Trey, we got to turn our eyes to the SEC. I don't think either one of us believe anybody's beating Alabama or Georgia in the SEC next year. But I did want to spend a brief moment talking about Tennessee, a program that I don't know if most people would believe has not won a conference championship since 1998, despite all of the hype around the program that seems to follow at all times. And I think this Tennessee team, which brings back more production than I believe anybody in the SEC, potential first-round pick at quarterback, is positioned to make a leap. Trey, how are you feeling about the balls? I like it. I uh, I just want to caution with Tennessee. I lived in, I just, we just moved from Nashville to Charlotte, but I lived in Nashville for seven years. And in that time, I saw Tennessee with three different coaches, uh, including Josh Heupel now, undergo this onslaught of off-season hype and off-season attention. And I just wonder, like, the fan base is so desperate for a winner that does it, does it affect the team? Does it affect the coaching staff? Because I saw it happen. Uh, with Butch. I saw it happen with Jeremy Pruitt's teams. And like, look, even the uh, uh, Knoxville radio station in like 2015 infamously did a Twitter poll one one summer of uh, would you take Josh Dobbs or Vince Young? <laughs> so it's it's with, no, seriously, like with, with the Tennessee hype machine, every month that goes on, the team gets better. Every month that goes on, the quarterback gets better and better. So don't be surprised in like July, if you see the PFF account, you know, doing some sort of graphic with Hendon Hooker quoting one of its analysts saying he's QB one for me in 2023 instead of like Bryce Young or something. So I can Tennessee turn into like a very big orange pumpkin. Absolutely. I would love to see them be Cinderella though. And for them, I think that means maybe finishing a, you know, a game back of Georgia in the SEC. So let me throw one out for you, Chris, another team that won't win the conference, but Mississippi state year three under Mike Leach with the same quarterback, that's a recipe for success. So just, just, just circle the bulldogs on your calendar or on, not on your calendar, but uh, yeah, on your, maybe on your calendar, on your, on your whatever piece of paper that you have. Think about them. Think about them. Yeah. And Mississippi state, I misspoke earlier. is actually a team that brings back even more production than Tennessee, uh, Mississippi state and Tennessee. And we two of the most experienced teams in the sec. And I think as we were talking prior to this podcast, we can, both see Mississippi State and Tennessee potentially pushing that 9-10 win barrier this season for the first time in a long time. I would be a little weird the Tennessee hype machine as well, but I think there's a pretty decent chance Tennessee will be 5-0 and and ranked very highly ahead of a game against Alabama at home in mid-October. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, mm-hmm. it's going to be the biggest game in Knoxville in a very long time. So I can only imagine the yeah. hype at that point if we reach that point. Um, before we go, uh, I wanna... we, we, we say that we say that every year though. And I, before we go, I hope you're not throwing us out yet because I was going to say, we're talking Cinderella. Can you give me like a G five 
or an independent or something like that's the whole point of Cinderella. Yeah, I was about I was literally about to throw it to BYU. Um, okay. which is a program that I don't know. I don't know if we followed college football for a long time. You necessarily consider a Cinderella, but in this era, I certainly do. BYU brings back the second most production in the country of anyone per ESPN's wow. Bill Connolly. I think that roster has been quietly excellent the last couple seasons. They made a few additions via the transfer portal. I think that are really going to help if they can replace Tyler Algier at running back, which running back is the easiest prediction position in college football to overcome. I think BYU is positioned to make a run. Obviously, that schedule is extremely difficult. BYU, during seasons in which it plays a full Power 5 schedule, which we saw last year, has a really difficult road, including games with Oregon, Baylor, Stanford, um, and Liberty, along with a few other excellent programs. But I think BYU has a chance to make a run. And if BYU can beat a couple of those Power 5 teams and finish 12-0, and BYU is a team capable of making the playoff. This roster is loaded, and I really like the Cougars heading into 2022. Good for you. Yeah, as far as G5 Cinderella's go, I really wanted to go Appalachian State, returning Chase Bryce for like his, I think, sixth season, but they're 90th in returning production, so that's probably not going to happen for me. I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, is Houston due to keep cycling up? Maybe. I, I like your BYU pick, though, Chris. Yeah, we had our, we had uh, our G5. Fourth in- yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, we had our G5 Cinderella last year. It's a pretty rare thing. And if we're talking about there, national relevance. And Cincinnati is, Cincinnati is 91st in returning production. I talked to I talked to someone at Cincinnati for a podcast like two months ago, and, and they were like, look, the expectations for 2022 should be pretty, pretty uh, limited here. So they got to break in a new quarterback and, and a lot of new talent too. Yeah, well, um, it'll it'll be interesting to follow 2022. I know we're both looking for the NCAA tournament. Want to apologize to our producer Lance. Uh, we went a tad long, but uh, Trey's back on the podcast and it was fun talking to him. Guys, if you enjoyed what you heard, please leave a five star review. We'll see y'all Friday.